When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. There's a home place under fire tonight in the heartland, and the bankers are taking my home and my land from me. There's a big aching hole in my chest now where my heart was, and a hole in the sky where God used to be. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan and Willie Nelson, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fine Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly, and joining me to talk about Heartland, a collaboration between two titans of music, Bob Dylan and, of course, Willie Nelson, is our pal David Wild. Hi, David. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm actually, yeah, I feel like I'm calling you from the heartland. I'm looking at my Zoom and it looks like California heartland, but which is no heart at all. No one can see this because this is a, uh, you know, podcast, obviously. But yeah, you are podcasting from your backyard. So I'm looking at you and behind you is this amazing panorama of California. It is the most amazing setting I've ever seen uh, when I've recorded with someone. So this is just absolutely fantastic. What a what a marvelous place to be able to to record. Like I said, someday I hope to be able to be in my backyard and have that view behind me as I'm recording my my podcast. So, David, I'm so excited to have you well, back. Well, on the when show. we when we tried to when we went to buy a house, we said we just need a really good Zoom background. Yeah. That's what we asked for. The, the realtor. <laughs> there you go. You guys were way out of the curve on that. So, oh yeah, that was in uh, yeah. 1994. Uh, you know, <laughs> What's Zoom? I, don't worry about it. Um, so yeah, we're here to talk about Heartland, which I believe outside of the Wilburys is the only song that we've ever covered on the show that does not appear on a Bob Dylan album. This song appeared on Willie Nelson's 1992 album, Across the Borderline, which was an album produced, uh, among other people, by Don Was, who, of course, has a lot of uh, connections to Bob himself, plus Paul Simon and Roy Halley, where uh, Willie Nelson covered a lot of songs by other artists. And, and uh, I remember I bought that record on the, at the time just to get this song because I knew about it. I knew that it was coming up. So... But it's it's pretty obscure in the Dylan uh, catalog, although there is there are some live performances we could talk about and some other things. But so why this one, David, when you mentioned this one, that would genuinely surprise me. Why do you want to talk about this song? Just because I love the song. But I realized this morning when we were going to talk about this, I know virtually nothing about this song. It really is amazingly obscure for a co-write by two of the greatest songwriters in history and greatest singers in history i actually so what i did was i i woke up this morning and wrote a feverish email to don was saying hey don can you give me a call or can we can i I just actually i think i asked him for because you could email back something about this one but he goes uh i'll call you in five and he called and uh so i can i will be revealing some things about the origin of this song but they I can take no credit for the rep- reportage. It's literally just Don was told me some stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. We're going to get to hear from as next to uh, the horse's mouth as possible. Don was who was who was in the recording booth when they did this. Now, from what I understand from some of the research I did, this was the first thing Bob worked on after the big 30th anniversary celebration concert, which, of course, you were involved in, wrote the liner notes for and stuff like that. Uh, he recorded this in New York with Willie on October 19th, 1992. And the, the concert was a Sunday. It was the 18th. So literally the next day, he went in and recorded this song with Willie Nelson. Now, I've read some conflicting things about the origins of this. I well, read let, me, w- let me tell you. Let's oh, not okay. Give go right ahead. Yeah, why am I talking? You go, Let's hear no, from no, Don no. I, I just want to, so that I'm not 
I don't want to embarrass you with anything wrong. Thank You've you. done okay so far. You're pretty good. <laughs> uh, nothing you said will end your marriage. Other things could, but nothing you've said so far will end your impending. And, and by the time this airs, you'll be married happily for literally hours. But uh, two weeks, um, two weeks by that point. Uh, I'm 20. We were 28 years like three weeks ago. So take wow. it from me. It's a long road. Love is a long road. I think that's that's petty, but that's kind of close to Dylan. In any case. <laughs> What, what Don was told me was that the origin, the real origin, and I, I think he's as good a source as we're going to get, is that when they were doing Under the Red Sky, uh, that at one point he was like, you know, looking out and, and Ed Cherney and he saw Bob walking to his guitar as they were working on some other track and he started playing something and they rushed to like record what he was playing and he had the first line of Heartland and a tune and they thought this is great they loved it was like it was something he was doing to have probably avoid work on something they were supposed to be working on <laughs> and uh he goes uh it, it, and you know uh there was one take he goes we got one take no completed lyrics other than like an opening phrase but he oh he absolutely loved it uh and to his chagrin he said, we never got back to it the way mm. things can be in the studio with Bob Dylan. Uh, and so three years later, when Don was recording uh, the album with Willie Nelson, which he said this uh, this morning, he said to me, it's maybe the best album I ever did. He's so it's such wow. an album he's really, really proud of. And I know uh, and I love the record, too, which is why I remembered the song. Um, and he goes, I guess he said. Hey, Willie, let me play you this song that Bob started, and maybe you want to finish it. Uh, and he played him the song. Willie loved it. And he said, Willie completed the lyrics. And that's really, I think that's significant in that one thing that strike that sort of strikes me about the song is it's for a song written by Bob Dylan. It's a rather direct statement. And it's it's a powerful statement. I think, you know, it's basically, you know, the same thoughts that were at the heart of uh, Farm Aid and, you mm -hmm. know, the the plight of the American farmer and big business uh, uh, and just sort of uh, a look at the American dream in that way and the sort of problems in the heartland uh, uh, in that in that community, in that world. But in any case, he goes, yeah, well, it's he goes, those that's Willie. He goes, those were mainly Willie's words, the, the, the sort of key opening phrases were Bob and then Willie completed it. And then, as you said, I said, uh, he told me, uh, Don told me today, he goes, yeah. And, uh, you remember the 30th anniversary concert? I go, yeah, I was there. <laughs> and in fact, uh, we were sharing stories of that event and, and like he had come to play with Willie and Chris Christopherson, he said, on that show mm -hmm. and i said you know and i told him i was standing with chris at the most amazing moment of that show and he goes the sinead moment and he <laughs> goes, it's so funny because we both <laughs> talked about the sinead moment from chris's point of view from but we were standing with chris and he i guess talked to chris right afterwards where you know i happened to be standing there with howie epstein may rest in peace of the heartbreakers my former groomsman and uh, we watched as we didn't know what to say to Sinead. Chris Christopherson being 
Chris Christopherson, the coolest guy on earth, knew just how to hug her and comfort her and uh, and be the coolest man on earth. And uh, so he said, yes, the very next day, Bob agreed to come in and do the vocal, which, as Don said, it's a really great vocal. And it's it's not like this was the greatest vocal era of Bob. And yet I think he really does a, a great vocal with Willie. And I, to me, the whole thing is this song it sort of it stands the symbol there are a few things you can watch online like them doing poncho and lefty or them doing this song on a country cbs special yes yes yeah but i will tell you that it means a lot to me because another song i think i might have suggested to you or was thinking about tied to this one is when i think one of the early dylan bootlegs i bought maybe in college or right after college, when I started going to the village and looking for any bootleg Dylan, you know, this is in the eighties, I think, uh, was a, a version of, and I think it came out on one of the later re- official releases, but at the time it was on a bootleg was Bob doing angel flying too close to the ground. Or right. maybe it was on a B. It might've been on a B side or two. Uh, but I always thought for infidels. Yeah. And I think that's one of Willie's greatest songs. And, and the sort of, you know, there are not too many people who almost can meet Dylan on an equal <laughs> stature. And I said to Don, uh, it is the two coolest guys, maybe, who ever recorded for Columbia. And he goes, well, you know, and him being the jazz bow that he is, <laughs> he said, well, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's throw Miles Davis and Polonius <laughs> Monk in there too. I said, okay. Listen, they could, that would have been an alternate traveling Wilburys sort of highwayman, <laughs> uh, hot jazz hybrid. Can you imagine Polonius, <laughs> Miles, Bob, and Willie? That would be, you know, imagine the pot usage in that, uh, <laughs> Imagine the poor producer that would have to wrangle Miles Davis and Bob Dylan in one sitting. That would be. <laughs> I think, I think Don would have been up for it. You know, coming up, you know. Yeah. Um, you're right. He, uh, he, he worked on Angel flying too close to the ground when he was working on infidels and it apparently came fairly close to being on the album like it was not just considered a throwaway thing that he was just dabbling with in in between working on his own songs it was it fair it got fairly uh along in the process to being considered for the record which is that's that's amazing considering how many songs he had for that record and we all know now how many masterpieces were left off it that he liked that Willie Nelson song to that point. And the, the version he does of it is, is really, it's really quite beautiful. And yeah, I think it was released as a B side or some strange, uh, place somewhere. It got really, got some more official, official release. So, okay. Well, then that matches up exactly with what I was, I had read was that Bob had worked on this, had started it when he was working on Under the Red Sky. And I had never heard that story before. And so I'm glad to know that that's actually the case, that it was something. And what, yeah. And the one thing Don said that I maybe shouldn't say, but I'll say it since, you know, I'll sell anyone out on a podcast or, or anywhere. <laughs> but he said, uh, when, when I brought it up, I said, you know, I love this song. He goes, I, he said, I love this song. He goes, it would have been the best song on Under the Red Sky. And I said, no, Born in Time to me is, I'll give that an edge a little bit over Heartland because I think that does have the poetic mystery that this one is not mysterious. It's rather no. stark. It's rather stark and powerful and literal is which, and that was the word Don used. It's rather literal 
Uh, but it has a little fire and brimstone sort of, you know, American dream dying language. But to me, Born in Time is a major song, you know, and yeah, uh, and, and a, a sort of a grander uh, statement by which I mean, we all have like there are the Dylan songs that we love the most that we we think we understand about 90 percent, like every <laughs> grain of sand. It's like the big statements that are so big. I think they're like. Yeah, what's that song about? I don't know. I think it's about life, <laughs> death. Like that's <laughs> so, to me. Born in Time is one of those, and Every Grain of Sand is the ultimate of those. I'm trying to imagine this on Under the Red Sky. It, it, as as much as I like this song, I I just can't picture it on that record. It does. It would not seem to fit to me now. Uh, I've always talked about on episodes. Then I, that shouldn't matter. It should be just like you pick the best songs. It should be the best song. That's it. Now. It's interesting that this was given to Willie and then Willie finished it. I mean, so as far as you know, it was like Bob like literally wrote like the first line and a half and then the rest of it is is Willie Nelson's words. He I the way Don from what I understood Don to say, the opening lyrics and the entire musical sort of shape of it, that's Dylan's contribution. Okay. But the complete making it like I think in a weird way it sounds like Willie took a sort of you know, uh, uh, Nashville approach or Brill building approach. And like, just, you know, it's, it, it's, he, he sort of just took it and, and ran with it. And I think what's weird is it does have sort of a sense of both of them. There's, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I, and I think they both, it sort of, it calls out that they're, they're, there is a real parallel with the two of them, like a, a sense of, great craftsmen, but also great poets and people who sort of started in some system and then sort of changed the system. You know, the, I think they're both outlaws. I think, you know, and it's kind of amazing. Like when you watch the two of them, there's, there's not that many people blend. He doesn't blend that well. You know, with <laughs> It's like the Wilburys, I believe was like this amazing, great surprise for him that he could sort of, be in a group and you can sense he was having such fun hmm. but like i do think this is like the two of them also had some sort of you know a tie that ran deep and like i i actually was wondering like i go didn't they tour like minor league ballparks together yeah and with john Mellencamp. and i'm like why would why on earth would i have not seen that tour but that goes back to your getting remarried is i believe the reason i didn't see that tour is i had little kids it's like and i had a wife who was saying you're not going to fucking minor league ballparks <laughs> to follow dylan around for the summer you're gonna you know or i had other responsibilities but i wish in retrospect i would have loved to gone back i would love to go back i'd never have seen video of the, that tour have you i've never seen anything there are some clips of it on youtube there are there's one performance of this because I was going to talk about that, that this song has been performed live with Will. They did it together when they did that tour. And it's been done live seven times from August uh, through September 2004. And it was on that tour and they did it together. And you can see a couple of them. And it's, you know, by that point, the song was 12 years old. But obviously it was, you know, it was in the forefront of their mind of like, well, this is a collaboration we've got. Uh, you know, so let's do it together. And it's, as you said, it's very stark. It's very simple. Um, it reminds me a little bit. We talked a couple episodes ago. We covered Ballad of Hollis Brown. And this song reminds me of that in that it's, it's about Americana and the, you know, the, again, the death of the American dream, but it's the language is so stark and simple because that fits the topic. It, it wouldn't make sense for the song to get 
kind of highfalutin and visions of Johanna ish. It's really straightforward about these people that are suffering. And as you mentioned with farm aid, you know, Bob's always had a connection to farmers. He's always had uh, a special empathy for them. And it was his comment at live aid about diverting some that of the created, money that, that yeah, created that created. Farm aid. Yeah. yeah. Well, think about it. He's from Hibbing, Minnesota. Right. Like he, right. he knows, uh, he's not, uh, you know, I, I, I think Hibbing would have to be upgraded to be a flyover state area. You know, it's <laughs> like, uh, and, uh, and look where his library is. Uh, you know, look where yeah. his Oklahoma, uh, yeah. In Oklahoma. Uh, I, yeah, I, I will say it is, I, it's, it's stark. It's, but the one, the, the mention of God in the lyric is to me kind of wild because we're not that far from like the religious Dylan. Mm. And it's like the, and the line where God used to be, is that what it is? Uh, yeah. And a hole in the sky uh, where God used to be. Yeah. A hole in the sky where God used to be is a hell of a line. I, <laughs> I, 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 uh, hell, I say hell with capital H. And I think, uh, I think Don said that was Willie. I think Don mm. said that was Willie. Uh, it's, uh, I kind of love it. And I kind of, I also just love the sense of like their connection and their friendship and that sort of mutual admiration society. I've always been curious as to what their relationship is. I mean, I don't, I don't bother to, to peer that much into what his Bob's personal life is because that just doesn't interest me. But like, we know it's established, long established his friendship with George Harrison, you know, and Tom Petty. But he's ob- obviously him and Willie have great uh, respect for one another. And Bob seems to show up for things, especially around this time. Bob was showing up for things involving Willie that certainly suggest that they, um, you know, have some sort of friendship beyond just a professional one. I would guess too that you have to have a certain understanding with Bob to be able to finish one of his songs and then go to him <laughs> with your lyrics and saying, okay, I, you know, I'm saying this is as good as what you could do, sort of. I mean, that's kind of terrifying to think, but you're Willie Nelson. I mean, you were making the comparison to the two of them. If there's anybody who works even harder than Bob, it's Willie Nelson. Doesn't Willie Nelson have like 60 albums? Or some well, huge and, number. I mean, even more than Bob, and still, and still performing. I still you know, perform. He's like ninety now. Yeah. And uh, see, I think my sense of them, and I, you know, I actually have spent more time with Dylan than I have with Willie, but I've been around both of them. They're just two of the ultimate poets, road dogs. Like they mm-hmm. have their own world, their own life, you know, ways of life on the road, and. Uh, I don't know that their lifestyles probably mean that they spend a lot of time hanging out, but I think there is a, uh, yeah, a huge respect and mutual admiration and obviously a connection there. You know, Bob did let, um, was it T-Bone did that record where they gave up some unused lyrics and unused, you know, some people finished Dylan songs for that yes. record. How many, yeah. you know, was it some of the Wilco guys or yeah, the or, new or basement, whoever? the base lost basement tapes or whatever it was. Right. Uh, but I do think, listen, if you're Bob Dylan, knowing having spent just a little time I have with him, he would think, yeah, he wrote for Patsy Cline. He can uh, he can finish my song. I mean, it's <laughs> true. That's you know, if you if you know Ray Price, like the the people who Bob Dylan would you know think it's it's cool to write for. I think Willie has a few on that list. If you if you you know think about it that's true that yeah that's absolutely true the the second verse of the song is where he says there's a home place under fire tonight in the heartland 
there's a well with water so bitter nobody can drink. Uh, again, that's, uh, you know, in, in 1992, when I heard that line, it didn't, you know, I, I knew what it meant in a literal sense, but it didn't have any resonance with me. Now, 20, 30 years later, and I, I've done seen documentaries about fracking and stuff. And you're like, well, okay, that's kind of what we're talking about. And then ain't no way to get high. And my mouth is so dry that I can't speak. That seems like cl- quite clearly Willie Nelson line there. Uh, you don't think, th- you think that might be, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Is, does Willie smoke pot? I don't, I, I've, I've not, heard, I've not heard that as a rumor. You, you don't want to spread that kind of gossip. <laughs> I was able to use my keen detective skills to ferret that line out. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then he says, don't they know that I'm dying? Why is nobody crying for me? And again, that's right out of sort of the, the message of farm aid, which is there, you know, we have these people here in the center of the country, not actually not even the center of the country. That's, that's kind of an illusion that, that, farms are only the center of the country they're massive farms in california california yeah yeah. california is a huge food producing state but the idea of there's this group of people that we are ignoring that we are passing over and then we get the refrain my american dream fell apart at the seams you tell me what it means you tell me what it means and then that's basically the song it's an incredibly short song and like a lot of great dylan songs and in this case the collaboration it's he's allowing you you tell me what it means. He's not telling you what it means. He's asking you, what does this mean to you? What, how, how does this, how does this make you feel? These, these thoughts that you know they're going on. And so it's, it's a, you know, it's a down song, but it, it leads you to think about your own response to what these questions are. Bob's great at a- asking questions. You know, he's known for his answers, but he's great at asking questions. What was it you wanted? Mm-hmm. What can I do for you? Oh, yeah. The guy asks great questions. And, uh, yeah, I actually think, like, remember, it's not that many years before this that, like, Bob is doing, like, We Are the World. And in terms of, like, I don't know to the extent to which this was meant as a farm aid anthem or mm-hmm. if there was any, maybe there was any thought that it became a benefit record. I don't know, you know, I don't know. But I will say that I like, like, when you look at some of the songs, like We Are the World and all that, the do they know it's Christmas or something? It's very hard to write about an issue and not have it be, you know, hokey or right. forced or whatever. I think this is just sort of a no nonsense. I think Willie took it as a sort of took the beginning of the poetry of what Bob started with and made a really kind of just, yeah, a very direct, but it's also dramatically elevated and i do think uh for some for some reason that i think it may be part of the reason the song hits me hard is that uh where god used to be i just think that's like uh yeah that that is a a different kind of uh moral desolation row like just you know the fact that people feeling abandoned by their government their god their country whatever it may be uh so i just yeah i just love the song and it's like it's funny. Uh, I was just thinking when I was getting ready for this that, like, there I remember there was a Crosby, Stills, and Nash young song actually. I think from one of the later records called Heartland. I think hmm. doesn't you too have a Heartland a song called Heartland on, uh, uh, you know, the, what's the one where they they they're American the movie? Uh, what is? Uh, oh, I forget. Oh, Rattle and Hum. No, I'm sorry. Oh, Rattle and Hum. Yeah. Rattle. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure there's a Heartland song, a song called Heartland on Rattle and Hum. Uh, it's a hell of a sort of B 
big title. It's kind of the kind of title that only Bruce Springsteen would, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> he did Badlands. Uh, I don't think Land of Hope and Dreams. I don't think he ever got to, uh, Heartland. Uh, but I do, I, I think the song is really wonderful. And, uh, yeah, from, uh, a, a kind of sincere, direct, but powerful statement from two of the greatest to ever write or sing a song. And vocally, uh, you were going to talk about that just earlier. They're vocally, they fit well together, which it's, that's hard to do with Bob because his voice is so distinctive. And especially this period, the 1982 period, this is the good as I've been to you period. And he was kind of a lot more pinched sort of when he was singing, but Willie, of course, ultimately kind of laid back kind of thing, but it's, they, it's, they, the, the voices sound nothing alike, but they blend together really quite well. And it, again, it makes for kind of a really pleasing sort of sound when they were doing it as they're trading their verses back and forth. And then again, they sing together on the chorus. And strangely enough, yeah, they perform this together on a TV special. Uh, we mentioned it a second ago on 1990, it was called the country music celebration. And Willie was one of the kind of featured performers. And then Bob came in, did a guest spot and they sang Heartland. Again, you can find Which, it, yeah. find it on YouTube. Bob does not do a lot as someone who works on TV specials. It's not like Bob says yes to a lot of right. TV specials. That, that's another, that's another suggestion. I think he said no to shows I've worked on numerous times. Uh, uh, and there's also a version confined online of, um, which Don said, you got to go look at, and I had looked at it already, but I think I'll look at it again and I encourage everyone to look at it. There's a version of Bob, uh, and Willie doing Poncho and Lefty. Like, well, yes. And, yeah. And that's pretty great too, especially because of the nature of that song and what that song's about. That's, I don't, I don't know what you thought of that. I'll, oh, well, I'll tell you. So back in the day, uh, this was in the early 90s, right? When they did the, uh, I was working at a video store and we got, uh, we would get tapes in every week. All right. I know, tapes. I know my videos are late. I'm going to pay the lady. Just let it go. <laughs> <Save> it. <laughs> uh, uh, so we, we, we got these tapes in and one of the tapes is this thing called Willie Nelson, the big six O. And it's a birthday celebration. It's a lot. It's a concert for Willie Nelson as he was turning 60. So again, this is 30 years ago because he's like 89 now. And I remembered. I didn't even know about this, right? I didn't even know that it existed. So I get the tape, I look at the back, and it says like featuring Bob Dylan. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what? And I see that he sings two numbers. He sings Poncho and Lefty with Willie Nelson, and then he sings Hard Times by himself. So I go to the bosses and I said, Hey, now I'm like, can we open this? We got it as like a sell-through title. I said, Can we open this and make it a rental? And they both looked at me like I was nuts. Because this is, you know, they were like a Willie Nelson tape. Nobody's going to rent that in Southern New Jersey. So right. I put it away and then I just waited till I was running the store a couple of days later. And then I opened it up and put it on. And the version they, the cover they do of, um, it's Towns Van Zant, right? Is Poncho and Lefty. Yeah. It is one of the most favorite things I've ever heard him do. That version with Willie Nelson is so great and it made me go down and find some towns van zant songs we, you know i never know i didn't know much about him i went and found his own stuff because that version of that song they do together is fantastic and that deserves some sort of official release outside of this obscure format on a vhs somewhere that is a they they kill that song 
Well, what's funny is Towns Van Zandt is one of the Texas writers who most sort of was like, you know, basically most of your New Dillons, like your Primes or mm. Forberts were, but they were not the, they were more East Coast or whatever, <laughs> uh, or, you know, Forbert was Southern, uh, mid, I'm sorry, that's not fair. So let me take that again. I should say that very, I don't, you don't think of the New Dillons coming from Texas particularly, mm. but, uh, Towns Van Zandt was definitely one of those and sort of had sort of poetic artistry that was Dylan-esque. So there's some incredible justice to Dylan and Willie Nelson doing, you know, Towns's greatest song, arguably. And it is a great version. And Don was, for the record, more of an authority than me. He agrees. He goes, it's just an amazing, wild performance that like, and I will say like there are TV performances you could look at in Bob's career where his ambivalence about promoting things or TV, you know, it's like Neil Young. I've experienced that where like, I almost have the sense they have the American Indian theory that the TV, the camera steals your soul. You know, it's like <laughs> there's, they, they don't seem to love it always, but it's amazing that I think for Willie in a couple instances, Bob like put on his best game face and did TV and, uh, uh, yeah, no, I think it's, 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 it's an amazing song. It's, it's really amazing. And it's, it's, and, and, and I mean, this totally is a compliment. It's a very Dylan-esque song in that it, it's a story song about these two outlaws for anyone who's not familiar with it, but it leaves a lot of details out of the song and you have to kind of fill that in yourself. And again, the way they trade the lyrics that I've listened to that version thousands of times in the years i've had it it is great and then like i mentioned he then bug comes up by himself and sings hard times which had just appeared on good as i've been to you and so again that to me that says a lot about their friendship that he would be on this birthday tv special and again back then they never promote they hardly ever promoted this stuff i i think the the when he appeared on the country music special to sing heartland i don't even think i knew about it beforehand i think i just sort of guessed i was like all right, Willie Nelson's going to be on this thing. That's kind of something Bob's into. Maybe he will be on it. And he was. You know, <laughs> they didn't, you know, they didn't tell anybody. As far as we know, right? This Heartland is the only song they've ever written together, though, right? It's, I don't think there's any other history of them actually working on a song together. No, I mean, I think I know, of, like, there's examples of Willie covering some Dylan songs, but I yeah. don't think, yeah, I don't know when, uh, maybe we should both go and look at the set list from whenever they toured, like what they did and, but yeah, I don't know of another collaboration, but I, I, I really dig this one. And I really love the fact that they're both still at it. Like if you, there is almost no way to, there, there's no way if you had told me 25 years ago that in 2022, I would be seeing Dylan and being able to see Willie Nelson, I wouldn't have believed it. And I don't know. I never haven't spoken to you since I saw the rough and rowdy ways show here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will say I had not gone to Dylan in a few years because my last one was so perfect in Italy, in the Roman right. Bass. I thought, I'm never going to be able to equal that experience <laughs> with my wife and kids. So this one, I didn't go with my wife and kids. I went, I actually went with Tom Petty's first wife, his, uh, uh, uh Jane Petty. Jane Petty. And went okay. to the show, uh, and, uh, and Pamela DeBar. How's that? Those, okay. those are two interesting people to go. I went with those two and watched the show at the uh, Pantages here, uh, in, in, ho in Hollywood. And he was so great 
he it was the best vocal performance I ever saw him give. And I've been seeing him since Street Legal, you know, mm. and I'd never heard him sing so beautifully. And the fact that it was like when you were talking, remember during before the tour, right? Weren't you asking everyone what song you want to hear or what's the first yes. song you want yeah. to hear? And like I going into the show, I was like, he can't do that much of rough and rowdy ways. And like, <laughs> I thought it was the best. I thought it was the best set list I've ever seen him do because I did not, I didn't see, I, I, I read it from and heard it on, but I couldn't believe what a sort of in re, in present tense show it was. It was mm-hmm. so great. Like to see someone that legendary, not rely on virtually any hits was fantastic. I thought it was brave and beautiful and i i'll never forget it entire decades of songs are skipped in these rough and rowdy ways concerts i don't think like you know he's like nothing from 1971 through 1990 or something i mean that's that's how that's how strong rough and rowdy ways is that he can do you know nine out of the ten songs or eight out of the ten songs and uh sprinkle in some other songs and then you know like wow man that's just it's just kind of amazing and i love that that him and willie did this at least that they were, you know, they, they resuscitated it at least for their, their brief tour together. I thought that that's terrific. I love that. I, you know, we always wonder like how much does he, these songs that never get excavated live, like, does he think about them and choose not to, or are they just gone? Does the band mention them? Does somebody finally say, Hey Bob, why don't we do, you know, every grain of sand? Oh, all right, let's try having done that in a while. Lenny Bruce, let's do that or something like that. So I love that this song, at least while he was with Willie, was something that they dusted off and and did because I said I think it's a it's incredibly simple for well I say that for someone who's never written a song it sounds incredibly simple but again it's so powerful and it's so direct it is like kind of what we talked about on the Ballad of Hollis Brown episode it's like a Dorothea Lang photo you know it's yes, just exactly. stark and simple and basic and as you say even even then you've got lines like a hole in the sky where God used to be which is most songwriters would give up their right arm to write one day. I know I would give up a few arms. I would give up three arms to have written that one line. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it's great. And we're very lucky. I think you always get across this message in your show, but we're so lucky to live our lives having experienced so much of this for so long. And like yeah. the fact that he's gone the opposite of being like, like, listen, there's acts half his age that have just become nostalgia acts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he's so not, he's so far from that now. I, I really, if I had to listen to a record over and over of Bob Dylan for the next month, I would go with the last one, which is, you know, there aren't, there's no other artist I can think of where that's true. There's no other artist. It it might be my favorite Bob Dylan record. I'm not saying it's the greatest because I I make an argument for anything from Blood on the Tracks to you know Street Legal on a depending on the day. But I think it's my favorite, you know, and it because I'm just so grateful, especially you know the fact that we found out there might be new music or sensed it in the middle of that pandemic. Yeah. You know, it's like I think there's something about that record. Just was like, yeah, so so present tense you know and i i i treasure the present ten- tenseness of bob intense the world's very tense but uh, i i appreciate how he 
has remained an artist and a poet in the present tense. Yeah, I've listened to that record at least once a month for the last two years. Two years, and I'm still listening to it all the way through, you know, as a whole piece. So, uh, and then other songs I'm even picking out and playing over and over again. But yeah, it's just it's absolutely uh, amazing. So that's this is awesome. I'm glad we got to talk. I love talking about obscure songs, and this is definitely one of those. So this is fantastic that we got to talk about this. Now, you said to me off air that you wanted to dispense some 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 marriage advice for me because as, as as i've mentioned by the time people are hearing this i will have been gotten married but by the time i'm recording it it is still a little less than two weeks away so you wanted to spend some before we wrap up here you wanted to spend some advice to me david oh i actually have no wisdom i was going to uh <laughs> uh I, I i was going to give you sexual advice but uh I think that's not appropriate uh, also because I don't know anything about it. Right. Uh, so I will, uh, I, I guess I have a few questions, uh, cause I don't know if you've spoken about your, uh, can I call her? Is it fiance? You're yeah. now wife. Now is wife. She, yeah. How much, how much of a music person is she? Um, uh, she, she, I mean, she loves music. She lots of, she likes a lot of different stuff than me, but, um, she has been very receptive to, uh, she didn't know much about Bob when we met. She knew the hits, basically, but she's been very open to it. And she's gone to two concerts in a row with me, uh, which has been fantastic. It's been great being able to to share this with her. And, you know, I put Bob on fairly regularly in our rotation and stuff. So it's, you know, yeah, she's, she likes she tends to like newer stuff. But we also do go to record stores and buy vinyl records and buy old stuff. And we're we're amassing a collection of vinyl records again. So, yeah, she's into it. Well, because I will tell you, and you, uh, I, we haven't mentioned it, which is amazing because I'm such a promotional whore. I have a new podcast I'm doing with Phil Rosenthal called yes. Naked Lunch. And there's an episode with my wife and Phil's wife, Monica, from Everybody Loves Raymond. And we, if anyone's interested, listen to that episode because you will get the story of when I met my wife. She was so not into music. This was 1990s, <laughs> you know, in the 1990s, she didn't have a CD player. And in, in, on the episode, she goes, well, CDs were new. It's like they weren't so fucking new. Uh, <laughs> 1990s. She, had, she had one cassette, one cassette, which was the soundtrack to About Last Night, the movie About Last Night. There's no good reason for that to be the one cassette as much as I <laughs> enjoy uh, you know, I, as much as I enjoy a John Oates solo tune and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but if you over 28 years, the fact is like, it's amazing how much like being together, like I know so much more about a million things and she knows so much more about music to the point where we were on like a, uh, you know, a getaway date two nights in a nice hotel in San Diego and, we're at a brunch and a song came on the radio and it was like a real cheesy song from, uh, if I survivor, <laughs> she okay. goes, uh, and I said, I have to admit, I have no guilty pleasures, but I kind of like this song. And she goes, it sounds very much like a 38 special. And I said, well, it was co-written by Jim Patrick of 38 special, uh, who did a lot of the gym, who did a lot of the 38 special songs. And I'm like, Oh my God, we really have rubbed off on each other. Because when we, <laughs> we, when we met, the only thing we had in common was we both were, had a crush on Rick Springfield. And now we have a kill it kid named after Bob Dylan, you know, who loves Bob Dylan. And she goes with me to shows, you know, it's a negotiation. Like, uh, uh, we have gone to tons of shows together lately. Like, we saw uh 
John Fogarty at the Hollywood Bowl and Cheryl Crow at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, but it is weird how, in one way or another, however other the other your other is, it's amazing. I think marriage. I'm very I I you're already married, so you don't need my blessing. But it's an amazing <laughs> thing to like throw your life in with someone and uh and make a new it's like making a new song and it's like it's weird when you it's a collaboration much like willie and and bob although i <laughs> hopefully you'll have more sexual chemistry than willie and bob <laughs> as far as i know as far as i know uh, don didn't mention anything uh, <laughs> yeah you were wondering like what can what can bob's songs teach us about marriage and i, I feel like the takeaway is it's rough it's rough. Well, that's the, that's, that's a takeaway. I don't know. Have you done wedding song? Yes, we did do wedding song. Yes, I have to go back and listen to that one. That's a hell of a deep, like, uh, that's a hell of a love song. Yeah, wedding song. It's very, you know, it, it's the kind of song you probably want to go when you get divorced. I, I, he should have. He should have put on blood on the tracks. Please disregard wedding song. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to add an addendum. Uh, a footnote to a wedding song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, again, I I appreciate the, the the sort of advice you gave me there. We'll, we'll we'll you know we'll see how we do. We'll see how we do. I I I will say as I sit here uh, two weeks out from the event, I'm looking forward to it. I I I'm looking forward to being married. I'm not the event itself okay because i think the whole thing is a scam in terms of how businesses treat you you know oh this thing costs this oh it's for a wedding it's 10 times that like you know that kind of stuff and that's leaving me with a little like oh, okay but uh well, you know I, did, I i i didn't want a wedding my wife did in fact i will reveal here for the first time my father-in-law said if you don't want a wedding i'll give you the money for a down pa- down payment on a house it's good it, it it goes a long way and uh especially back at that moment and and my i said yes i voted yes and my wife voted no and so we had a wedding uh at which i'm trying to think of any dylan connections yes howie epstein from the heartbreakers was one of my groomsmen so someone who Amazing. played on uh uh what did he play on he played on a couple dylan records and obviously toured uh with bob mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. Uh, Terrence Trent Darby. I don't know if there's a real good Bob connection. Who else was there? <laughs> e from the Eels. No, uh, there, there wasn't. Oh, at your wedding though, are you going to play Dylan music? Do you have music? There, there up? will be one, one Dylan song in the in the mix. It's the, he doesn't have a lot of great dance songs, but there will be one song uh, in the in the from the the DJ has been instructed to play. Uh, well, there will there will be handle with care. By the Wilburys, that's on there. But um, I, I on the list is tonight. I'll be staying here with you, which is one of my all-time favorite Bob songs. Great song. I uh, I also I think at my wedding I would play the entirety of Knocked Out Loaded. I think <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing says romance like they killed him. Uh, <laughs> Clear the dance floor cr- playing uh, Brownsville Girl or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it only takes what is that Brownsville is it. 12 or 14 minutes i don't even remember I think it's something I remember. like a, i think it's 13 something like that yeah so yes. that'll but it flies by it flies by <laughs> like marriage it flies by good to well, know congratulations good to know. after the fact congratulations thank and you if you if you divorce before this airs then, oh lord uh, I, <laughs> oh god yeah, no, i I, th- I think i'm gonna i'm gonna bet you make it 
I, I thank you very much. I, it's uh, we've been we've been together three years, and and uh, it's uh, very very fortunate that I met her the way I did. And then so yeah, we're looking forward to it. We're really looking. I'm looking forward to being married. I'm not. Uh, I, I think I'm of that bent, and it was just a matter of you know finally finding someone who was the right person. And I think I think I have. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, my uh, wife didn't find the right person, and I think it's still a good thing. <laughs> I think she would disagree with that. So, well, David, uh, <laughs> thank you as always. You know, it is always an absolute thrill and an honor to get to talk to you and have you on the show. Um, before we sign off, uh, you did you did mention your podcast. Did you start the, the the mention that again? What's the name of it? My podcast is better than your podcast. No, that's not. Uh, that's the that's oh, the modern true, sort right? of taunt in a schoolyard. In a schoolyard. No, my podcast is the naked. It's her. My podcast is Naked Lunch. It's Phil Rosenthal, who everyone might remember as creator of Everyless Raymond. And then he has this huge, uh, somebody feed Phil, show, somebody feed Phil on Netflix. And we have been having lunch for 25 years. Like, oh, wow. Real, and then, and bringing friends, like he'll bring a uh, comedian, I'll bring a musician. And that's the reality of it. And then he for years has been saying, let's do a podcast of this. And now we're doing it. And, uh, you know, like, uh, last week or when we're speaking, the current one is Henry Winkler, which is so much fun. Next week will be Kevin Bacon. Wow. Uh, uh, we've done Elaine May. Uh, I think Dylan's come up a few times. I think with Cheryl Crow when we had her on Lyle Lovett, maybe. Did, I don't think he came up with with Jimmy Jam. Weirdly, you find out what you're obsessed with when you do a podcast like well yours is all about what you're obsessed with mine <laughs> i somehow realized the the musical fiddler on the roof has been mentioned in almost every podcast the only <laughs> thing mentioned more often is i mentioned my wife so much that there are drinking games people have started for how often i mentioned fran so uh uh yeah I, so i uh yeah but uh yes naked lunch i would i would love people to check it out i think if you're a Dylan fan, by the way, we will have Bob Dylan. Should he insist on being, I know that he's loves to do podcasts. He's, you know, that would be great. Yeah. Well, right. Okay. I mean, if Bob does your show and, you know, well, maybe we could get him on here. Uh, I, I'm kind of amazed that when you started the show, that naked lunch wasn't already taken as a name for a show. That's just amazing by itself. It's, it seems like it's such a, a great name for a, podcast about a new, couple of different subjects i'm just kind of amazed that you guys are able to claim it it's so funny that uh everyone asks about you know uh william burroughs right. <laughs> the truth is uh <laughs> i i only knew the phrase growing up from steely dan because i knew that steely dan was they took their name from naked lunch steely dan is a uh a sexual aid a right you know of some sort in in naked lunch and i only knew it because i'm a deep steely dan fan so it's my nod to Steely Dan, who are Dylan influenced in their own right. In fact, I what the other day I heard on seventies channel saying Barrytown, which is I believe I always loved it. You know the song Barrytown by Steely Dan. It's like there's lyrics where you go, oh yeah, Steely Dan took a little bit of Dylan, uh, you know, in there, and that's an example of it. Isn't one of their records called "Can't Buy a Thrill"? Isn't that isn't that isn't that one? That's of their... the first record. That's yeah. Their debut. That's 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 from, from a Dylan song. So yeah, I always figured that was uh they uh you know they're big fans of Bob. So yeah, it, it, I listen to the show. It's a lot of fun. Check it out, everybody. Uh, it's a really delightful listen. So the last thing I got to ask you before we sign off here, David, is that I I since you were on the last time when you were, we were talking about Shadow Kingdom, oh god, which seems like a lifetime ago. 
Um, I've changed the exit question. And the exit question now is, if there is any Bob recording session that you yourself could have sat in on, just a fly on the wall, you're not working on it, you're not collaborating, you're just sitting and watching it take place, what what album would that be? Truthfully, because the era fascinates me, it would be slow train. I would love to feel the air between Jerry Wexler and Dylan, you know, the... What did Wexler tell him during the session? Listen, I'm an old Jew. Don't try to convert me. <laughs> Don't try to me, convert you know? me, Bob. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I would love to be sitting in that room for that session because that record means so much to me. And the fact that he, you know, is doing, you know, got to serve someone, uh, serve somebody, uh, is so thrilling to me. I just love that record. And I, I do love my fire and brimstone Bob. So, uh, that's all. And Heartland is a little bit of like, on behalf of the American farmer, a little of that mm-hmm. fire and brimstone, Bob and Willie. Absolutely. All right. Fantastic answer. So uh, again, David, thank you so much for doing this. You really honor uh, the show with your presence. So I really very much appreciate it. Um, uh, I, I feel honored to be on it. And uh, honestly, uh, I'm, you know, I, I think marriage is a beautiful thing. I really do. I think it's a, and, uh, and I wish you a longer marriage than Bob and Sarah have even. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, of course, everybody, uh, if you want to find back episodes of the show, go to our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And if you want to support the network of which Pod Dylan is a part, please go to patreon.com slash podcasts, like these fine folks did. Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hustle, George Doherty, Rocky Meckle, Paul Ruther, and Henry Bernstein. Thanks so much for the support, everybody. Henry so- Bernstein? All right, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be so excited you said that. So, okay, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. He's like a philosopher poet. You know, he just he gets to the heart of it and in a quick way, gets it out, and it's over. And it just leaves the listener to um, think about it.